0: Welcome to episode 66 of From the Shed M podcast with myself, t and Theo. How are you doing?
1: Not bad. Uh, bloody warm, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's, I think, <laughs> 33 degrees <laughs> down here in London. I struggled to sleep last night, twisting and turning and waking up all sweaty. So I'm looking forward to an ice cold drink um, later on this afternoon. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. I was in London yesterday. <laughs> and um, I, don't know, I
0: don't know how you cope on them tubes because I was on the... Uh, I was on, it was like the Victoria line or something. It was just busy and there's literally nowhere... To, there's nowhere down there whatsoever. I don't know how you guys do it, so credit to anyone who <laughs> lives in London. 33 degree heat. It feels like about 50 degrees down underground, but yeah, I'm good apart from that. Um, looking forward to Sunday. Big game. But before we get into that, subscribe. You know what I'm going to say, guys? Subscribe to the channel. It's growing slowly. Um, I've even added a little reminder in the corner so if you haven't subscribed there's a reminder for the next however long we're on this stream for subscribe to the channel and also the, the social accounts as well on the left side or right side whichever way it shows on your screen but yeah you can see the socials down at the bottom as well and also spotify don't forget to click the notification on there as well so you won't miss another podcast episode but let's go all the way back to last saturday weird game evening kickoff um 5 everton give me your thoughts
1: yeah, I mean, let's start with the positives because three points at Goodison Park is always positive. Uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, we hadn't had a victory there since April 2017 when Antonio Conte was in his first season. So it was it's been a long time coming now, and it's always a tough away day for for Chelsea when we we play at Goodison Park. So no matter the scoreline, no matter the who scored the winner, where it, how it came about, three points at Goodison Park is always positive. Especially now that we've got that fixture out of the way, because um, that fixture you're always dreading it. Especially if it comes around November, December time, there'll be injuries. It'll be a trickier away day. So I'm pleased in that aspect. I still think it was a very lacklustre performance, almost like how we stopped the season last last season. Um, a lot of those very average performances from players that I really expected to to stand out. The likes of Mason Mount, the likes of Kai Havertz. I think Aspie was a bit. He didn't really. He looked like a bit. A bit. A bit lackluster as well, chillwell as well. I think on WhatsApp to you, he still doesn't look 100 percent fit. We we said that that's gonna take some time, possibly another four or five months. Um more positive, actually, the all the new signings I thought I thought was superb. I thought Raheem Sterling looked really dynamic. He looked really um lively every time he had the ball, he looked to dribble a player, he looked to create something, which is what we need. Um, same thing with Koulibaly, very positive performance from him, a lot of blocks. Um, really, really positive. And uh, a new signing who came off the bench, Cucurella, I thought was fantastic. He looked really dynamic. All of his passes were forwards. He looked to drive the ball up the pitch. He I rarely lost the ball as well. So I think he's definitely going to start on Sunday ahead of Chilwell, if I'm honest. Um, another player who got the winning goal, Jorginho, who divides our fan base a fair bit, I think. I thought he was very solid as well, actually. I think his statistics showed. I think he. of his passes completed. Um, He kind of dictated play from midfield. And I think compared to Kante, especially, he looked like the better of those two midfielders. So I think it was quite a positive performance from him. And he stopped with a little hop, skip and jump for the penalties now. He just slotted it in right in the corner. So I think even had Pickford died the the right way, which he did actually in the Euro final against Jorginho, then I don't think he would have stopped that one. So that's another positive. But um, no, three points, first game of the season. That's always a good start. It was a difficult game, I felt,
0: that we went into it with the expectation we were going to win. And I think rightfully so, because obviously we we are the better team, we're better than Everton. That's just a given. But it's, a, it's been a tough ground, like you said, 2017. It's a long time to go without a win at a ground. It's always been the bogey grounds that... You know, it's a difficult. I think it's always difficult to, to go into a season and a season opener against a team that you've not really had the best of joys at their ground. So I think to go there, get three points, it's definitely the positive. But there were some tell it was the first game of the season, one hundred percent. They were just like you just mentioned some of the plays you, you spoke about. You know, it just didn't seem like a team that you just didn't see where the goal was going to come from. Yeah, and barred barred the, the penalty. Uh, maybe the Sterling offside goal, the Sterling chance which was blocked by Mikalenko. Uh, blocked it now, But yeah, 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 it was. And um, you know, those were the kind of key chances. I don't really remember any other ones. Um, I think Kai Havertz might have had a a decent header. Um, that was off target, but it's early days. You know, I agree with you. I think you know, uh, Kukurela coming on was. Brilliant, you know. I thought he'd done exactly his passing accuracy was brilliant. Mm. Like you said, he, his, his thought was to go forward as opposed to go back or sideways. Which um there was a couple of times when Raheem Sterling and Kai Havertz as well, both made brilliant runs, you know, into a pocket of space. And not to single out Jorginho because it wasn't just him, but I'll, I'll say georgino because that's the one that's stuck in my head at the moment. But he was almost looking for a sideways pass, you know, looking for another pass that was going somewhere else. And I think we've got to get into that mindset now. Of, got a player that wants to run into space, run off the last defender, mm-hmm. work, work the channels and, and that's Raheem Sterling, he does that, he's done it for City for, for many, many years. Um, my worry is I don't want to see Raheem Sterling turn into a different player based on the way that we play, I'd rather him, we've signed him because of how he's played for Manchester City, I'd assume, or one of the reasons, so we've got to use that to our strengths in my opinion, but um, I wanted to ask you about the, the, the penalty because it was a stonewall penalty. Like you just mentioned mm-hmm. as well, that he didn't do the hop and the skip. And Jorginho has defend, uh, divided the, the fan base, but I mean, he still has brilliant things that he brings to the team. You know, he still can take penalties. That's his first thing, you know, he's our penalty taker, but just in terms of his gameplay as well, what did you think of his overall performance? And obviously the penalty as well. Did you agree that it was a pen?
1: hundred percent a pen. I think it was, was it the core? I think who, yeah. um, Gave away the pen. I mean, just uh, with the kind of stride Chilwell was on, any kind of contact from the back, he would have gone down. And I think it was a, a tug on his shoulder, a little clip from the back. But I don't think even Decore had much to, to complain about. So that was definitely a penalty. Um, the technique of the penalty, uh, a lot more reassuring to see. The little hop, skip and jump often. When it goes the right way, it fools the keeper. But when it doesn't, it's just an easy catch for the keeper. We saw it a few times last season. I think it was against... Um, it was against West Ham, wasn't it? Where he, it just didn't fool Fabianski at all. Um, so I think it's maybe he's kind of reflected on that in um, in the summer. And he, that's where his goals come from. Um, I think his last 20 goals for Chelsea, I think that's what a statistic like this, have come from the penalty spot. And if my memory serves me right, his last goal from open play was against Arsenal at the Emirates when we beat them 2-1 with the Tammy winner. So um, it's been a long time and a lot of penalties in the meantime. Um, and his overall performance, like I said, I think he he was the standout midfielder ahead of Kante, which is quite surprising usually because Kante is often very dominant, always intercepting the ball, always winning the ball, often kind of driving forwards. But Jorginho seemed a bit more, a bit more calm on the ball, a bit more less kind of hectic or less kind of wanting to rush things which kante seemed to do at times and then often lose it straight after or give the ball away I think kante's passing on last saturday was very very poor Either he often gave the ball away which he really does so no it was a really reassuring Jorginho's performance i still think there's maybe we'll get another season out of him max or maybe two seasons but um if he can carry on at that level then uh, i'm more than happy to, to have him as a starter for us
0: I mean, there's one there's one big thing. And I agree with everything you just said, mm. but it's one big thing that does worry me about Kante and Jorginho is they're both in their final years of their contracts, I think. So you do kind of wonder if we're going to lose one, which I think we will. There's, as far as I'm aware, there's been no talk of renewals. You know, there's been renewals with Mendy. Um, Mason Mount, I think, is another player that's been um, spoken about in terms of a new contract. But there's nothing about Jorginho, nothing about Kante. And you just think, Jorginho potentially would be the one that we might lose I think he's been the one that was linked I think to coming I mean, which Italian club it might be Juventus or
1: Juventus I think, I think was was Juventus was. so
0: you know you, you think more likely it would be him that goes but one of the questions I wanted to ask you um, sort of away from that was during the Everton game I think one of the first subs was um, Reese James went to left wing back and Ruben Loftus-Cheek went to right wing back and Cook was still on the bench and at the game I mean we were all trying to work out I think at first I think Rhys James thought he was coming off but he wasn't he, he went mm-hmm. to, to the left side and I I was trying to work out why you would leave a play that you've kind of forced through the deal you, you rushed it through on a Friday trained with the team took him to the game um, but you use your right-sided defender to play the left side when you've got a left-sided defender. do you think it was just a tactical thing just just seems it just seems weird you know to see and i know ruben left his cheek his best position isn't on that right right yeah. wing. it's more in that central midfield or you know defensive midfielder i just feel and even raheem sterling's come out i think he had a press conference yesterday and said that he prefers to play on the left wing or on, on the wings but tuchel's playing him down the middle do you feel that thomas tuchel sometimes does get that tactically wrong in terms of um playing certain plays out of their positions or at their unnatural position
1: yeah, I mean obviously we'll never know what was said in a dressing room at halftime. Maybe it was like you said, tactically to target one of the Everton players who was a bit fatigued and maybe lost his cheek could come at him with pace on that on that um on that right-hand side. Um and same with Sterling. I think Sky Sports showed the lineup with Sterling down the middle, Havertz on the le- on one of the wings, and then they actually ended up switching or vice versa. So I think it's purely tactically, but I do agree with you. I think players like Sterling had their natural position, same with loftus cheek, same with Reese James. And Especially when we've 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 signed Cucurella on the Friday and he's travelled to the squad, you'd bring him and bring him in earlier, maybe to to play on that left hand side. But, um, but I think maybe it was tactically. I wouldn't. I'll, I can't really give an answer, but um, I much rather see players feel happy and more comfortable in those positions that they are asked to play.
0: Mm, no, I agree. I agree. Final bit on Everton, Chelsea. Rosoch mm. came on. Um, thought he played really well. Thought yeah. he looked like he fitted into the team. I mean, I think that the loan deal to Southampton's obviously helped him adapt and understand what the Premier League's all about. But he looked he didn't look out of place at all. You know, he looked like he was willing to make the runs that he needed to do, take players on, hold the ball up as well. He done that really well. Um potentially see him against Spurs on Sunday, do you reckon? Definitely.
1: I think he even scored past Spurs, I think, last season. Um my memory serves me right. And um he looked very, very comfortable. He's only had one season in the Premier League where he looks like he's been in the league for years. A very mature for his age as well I feel uh, same thing like can be said about Gilmore I always say how mature and composed they are on the ball I think Brozio is very similar in that aspect and it was a very promising cameo performance and with all the con- fixtures that we have this season he's a player that we definitely need to keep hold of our only natural number nine so I think we'll be seeing a lot more of him in the coming games and the, uh, and the rest of the season
0: I agree I hope so I hope you're right <laughs> let's, let's, move to, let's move to the battle at the bridge <laughs> Um, we hate Tottenham um, big game it's a massive game it's a massive test I think for both clubs I think going into this one because we obviously didn't play the best against Everton Spurs battered Southampton um, which was probably not the best opening game for them because it doesn't really tell you where they are in terms of the players, players that they've brought in but you do have to look at the two teams based on the fact that we've got a brilliant record against. well say we Thomas Tuchel's got a brilliant record against um, Antonio Conte um, whilst he's been at Spurs. What do you think going into this game in terms of a lineup? Would you, what would you change? Um, obviously, we've been told today that Alonso won't be featuring due to his um, trying to push his deal through for Barca, and Kovacic is out with a knee injury, which is the same injury that he keeps getting all the time. But what, what would you be? Your lineup be against Spurs on Sunday? I
1: think actually it's it would be a very, very similar line-up to um, to, uh, to Everton on last Saturday. Uh, I'm glad that nothing was mentioned about Koulibaly and that slight injury that he seemed to have against Everton because yeah. he's going to be a really important starter for us, uh, maybe alongside uh, Silver again, who for me was man of the match against Everton. I forgot to mention that he was superb. I will be always lost for words with his performances, but he was brilliant. And maybe again, play him again alongside an Aspi or this time maybe a Chiloba all-player Rhys James as a one of the centre backs and maybe experiment with loftus cheek on and Cucurella as the wing backs. So I'm not too sure. But I think I'd play a very similar lineup to um to uh, to uh, the Everton game with Jorginho and Kante in midfield and a front three of Havertz Mount mm-hmm. and um and Sterling. Um like, we've got five subs, we've got brilliant depth. We saw that when we, we could bring players off the bench, the likes of Pulisic, the likes of Loftus-Cheek, the likes of Kukurela, those players. Um, Ziyech hasn't featured yet, but he's another player um, who could play a part as well. So I do think it's going to be a very similar lineup. In terms of Spurs, they've strengthened a lot this season. Conte's had his first preseason. He seemed to really kill the players almost in South Korea. We saw that video of them looking absolutely drained when they had to do their speed <laughs> tests or their shuttle runs. <laughs> So I think um, they'll be fit. They'll be up for this game. Um, Tuchel won every single game he's played against um, against Spurs, and he's never conceded a goal. I think since he's been Chelsea manager against Spurs. So, um, but I think it's going to be a different looking Spurs side this um, on Sunday. I think they will score. Um, but yeah, in terms of lineup, like you asked, I think it's going to be a similar one.
0: Uh, I've got a different opinion, mm. and I was thinking this this morning. So I was thinking. Against Spurs, I don't remember. If, I, I think very. I think maybe at the seven games or six games, wherever it's been under Thomas Tuchel, I can't remember how many games he's played a back five against Spurs. And I think he's going to go to a back four tomorrow or Sunday, not tomorrow. I think he's going to go to a back four. I think he. I think if in the Carabao Cups it was a four-two-two-two two, two or something yeah. along those lines, it was very weird and saw what? saw, a, saw a left
1: back, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. I think that
0: was. It, in, one of them come in which leg that yeah. might be the second leg. But, um, and even in one of the league games, we played a four at the back, three midfields and then three going forwards. And I, I, and one of the questions that was asked of Thomas Tuchel today was what's the gift? Or what's the, how, how do you keep Kane and Son quiet? And, you know, he gave a little chuckle. But I think that is, the, that is the secret. You don't play five at the back. You play four. You get an extra body in midfield. And I think that's the only way we win that game on Sundays. If we, I mean, I, ideally for me, I'd have Koulibaly, Thiago Silva as my centre-back. So I'd have Koukereira as my left-back. I'd have Rhys James as my right-back. I'd, I'd, if I was going to do the 222 two, two, I'd have Kante, Jorginho, uh, probably Gallagher, Mount and Sterling and Havertz up front. That would mm, be my front.
1: Yeah. That, I was going to say that formation is where Hacking Ziyech excels in, doesn't he? When he it, he it kind does, of... Play on our right hand side and cut it on his left foot, and that's when I think he even scored. And when he played in that formation, um, that curler in a two 0 victory, um, last season. But I, that's a very valid point, actually. Um, and as that back four you mentioned, I'd have a lot of faith in them. Uh, so it's it's it'll be interesting. I do think if we play a back five or a or a back four, I think we've got the quality in defense, especially our center backs. I think Koulibaly, like I said, was fantastic against Everton, and he will learn so much that's from playing. Called. Yeah, it. I didn't know how big he was. He, he's a big lad. He's a big lad. Definitely yeah. is. Um so yeah, I think um now it could very well be a back back four. It's true.
0: Yeah. I'd like to see that as I think mm. one of the things going back sort of to the Everton game was I feel like we missed that one player in midfield at times who who you know, Jorginho looks up, he's looking for a pass, the pass isn't on. And I think if we've got that extra body in midfield, I think that would be the pass that should be on that isn't on because we don't have the body there. And I think Mason Mount isn't as effective in that front three. I just, I looked at him against Everton, some of the preseason games going back to last season as well. Um, you know, he back to back player of the season, wasn't he? But, and he did play naturally most of those games in that front three. But I just think if we had him in midfield, maybe ideally in a 10 role, we don't, we don't have that kind of formation. We don't play that kind of way of the, de- but, even in midfield if we did do a 42222 if he was just behind uh, you know kai havertz or just behind raheem sterling just to feed that ball through take on a player or do something different in midfield or bring the ball forward a bit i think i think it would just make a, a massive difference and i'm hoping we do, do we go back to a back four for this game mm. because it's worked us i don't know why we would change it I've, like you said you know spurs have strengthened and i think if we play a back three centre-backs and the two wing-backs, I just think they're going to be isolated. They're not going to get forward, in, they're not going to get high up the pitch, are they? They're going to be pushed back, we're going to be playing basically a back five. It just limits what we can do and I think if we've got that extra body in midfield, it might just give us a bit more security in, in the middle of the pitch mm. as well. And I'm pretty sure I said that in the um, the Carabao Cup last year, that the game will be won in midfield. I believe it will be in this game as well. I think we will just got to be ready for that battle. They've got some really good players... I think they're dark horses. Not to win the league, but I think they can push Liverpool and City, unfortunately, all the way to the very end. I think they can. I think they, Conte's a winner and we, we know that from our Chelsea days with him, but they've improved the squad massively and we've got to be ready for them on Sunday. Um, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a really tough game, but... We
1: um, need to work on our corners be... there. I was going to yeah, say... I just... <laughs> oh, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't speak about that in the, when we were talking about Everton, but I think... I lost track of yeah, how many corners 16, we had. Sixteen. Yeah, and 16 they were corners. all terrible. I don't know if it was James or Mount taking them, but they were atrocious. James,
0: but why is James why is James on them? It should be made, for me, it should be Mason Mount because he can actually I think Beast James is slowly getting into that William territory when it comes to set pieces <laughs> where he just doesn't beat the first man. And I remember you was you was a very vocal person about William's set pieces, but I just think um I just think if it's not worked after the fifth or sixth, you know, corner. Try something different. Give someone else a go. Maybe do a short corner. Do something different because it's not working. And um, yeah, I just think it's just, we've got got to change something. I was going to ask you about Mendy, who, um, even in the Everton game, there was a moment where, I think it was Thiago Silva, I think it was Damari Gray. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see Thiago Silva almost saying to Mendy, look, I'm 37, nearly 38. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to win this race. You need to come for this ball. And he just doesn't, he sort of came yeah. but hesitated and then sat back and allowed Thiago Silva to have that 1v1 with Damari Gray. And I just think, not to say that he's not a good goalkeeper and we've spoke about him on here before, but, you know, is this a time where we kind of give Kepa an opportunity maybe before, you know, if he does go elsewhere, uh, before the window shuts, but is this not an opportunity to maybe test to see if Keper is that number one goalkeeper that kind of almost said that he might be, you know, it's too good to be on the bench.
1: Yeah, about Mendy, I picked that up too. There was that moment where, um, like, I don't know if it was a miscommunication with Silva or a bit of, a, you know, didn't have enough confidence to come out. And I think Silva ended up playing a really good block in, which took it for a corner. And there's another bad. Mendy moment, yeah, where he kind of tried to catch it, flapped at it. And in the end, he pulled off a brilliant save after, yes, from yes. Decoré, really good save. But um. But he's still, yeah, another player, I think I'd put him in that Havertz and Pulisic bracket that really needs to step up this season. He really does need to step up. We saw at the start of last year when he was pulling some big saves, um, even out, I think, away to Brentford when he was man of the match and lost track of how many saves he did. But second half of the season, I think his form really, really dipped. It really did dip. And there is chances, I think, this year where we will, we will need a second-choice keeper, whether that be a midweek fixture, a League Cup fixture, a Champions League group stage fixture quite far out abroad maybe, And that's when you'll need your your second-choice keeper. And if he does step up and prove that he's he's got that ability, which Kepa does now, then I think there's no harm in starting him in these big games like Spurs at home, like City away, or those type of fixtures. Because we're going to need a keeper that's got that confidence, that wants to prove to the manager that he can play every week and also wants to be first-choice for his country at the World Cup, which both keepers currently want to be. And I know Mendy's probably guaranteed first-choice. Kepa's still not sure if he's going to get onto that plane to Qatar. So it's I still think there's a lot of twists and turns in this transfer window too. And I think Kepa's going to be that one that maybe goes to a Lazio or a Napoli, or one of those teams, because I think they've lost both their keepers. And um, it will be interesting if Sarri does reunite with him at Lazio as well. So um, still a uh, lot to ooh. see in this, this transfer window. Will be interesting, 100%. Mm. Um, we've got
0: Salenina Sol- Solen-i- Solen-i- coming Solenina, in. Salenina, uh,
1: yeah. Nino's
0: coming in um, January once the MLS has finished, so you'd assume, I would hope personally, that Kepa stays until then, and then we but, like you've always said, you know, that's after the World Cup, which kind of defeats the object. but, you know, I'd lo- love him to stay. I think he'd get enough game time, whether that's in the Cup or the Champions League before the World Cup, but, you know, it's down to the player's preference, and, and does he want to be playing second fiddle to Mendy, but um, let's talk about transfers, seeing as we sort of topic of that. Timo Werner, Big player leaving. Um, didn't really work for me at Chelsea, which is unfortunate. And um I did sort of mention it on one of the YouTube videos, but what's your thoughts on Timo Werner leaving uh, on a permanent as well, which is quite surprising that we don't really do those kind of deals. It's normally a loan deal for a player like Timo Werner.
1: I think, like the reports indicated, there was some kind of fallout in Tuchel's office. Um... This summer, I think Werner wanted more game time and they came to like a disagreement and I think there might have been a big argument that happened. And I think despite both being Germans, they didn't see eye-to-eye most of the time. Uh, I said last summer, I'd give him one more season to prove himself. And if I'm completely honest, last season there, he didn't really excel. At, when he did when he was given opportunity, the opportunity, there was a couple of games, I think in Madrid away, Southampton away in that April period where he was fantastic. And I was thinking to myself, if this is the Werner that we signed from Leipzig, then let him play every single game. But that was just a small purple patch and small, small period. Um, clearly, I think the player wanted game time. He wanted to play regularly. He wanted to be in the manager's plans, which I don't think it happened with Tuchel. So gutted it didn't work out because he was a really likeable player, really likeable personality, quite quirky. Um, and he did really work hard and you could really tell he had a good relationship with the fans. But now, obviously, he's no longer a Chelsea player, so we can just wish him the best and hope he does what he has to do in Leipzig and has a good World Cup with, with Germany. I think he will. I think he'll go back to the Bundesliga and he'll, he'll mm. hit that form that he did exactly before we
0: signed him. You know, And he'll think he'll... I think... Coming to the Premier League, sometimes you've got this added pressure. And I think he came with that added pressure. Um, You know, we were crying out for someone who could score goals. You know, people have probably gone on YouTube and watched what he did in the Bundesliga. And then he comes here and there's this added pressure for him to do so well straight away. Um, You know, there's a couple of times he missed sitters and it felt like probably at times he was carrying the whole club on his back. You know, you think about some of the games he played in. Um, But he scored some vital goals and people forget how many goals. um, I think I read. Champions League I think he's top goal scorer and assists under Thomas Tuchel might have got that wrong but I'm pretty sure I read
1: that one night. Um, Another statistic I saw was every Champions League game he started for Chelsea I think we never lost something like that. He's he's
0: one of those players that honestly he puts a shift in and and I remember saying about Timo Werner there's a lot of things that he does off the ball that sometimes goes unnoticed that you don't really pick up during the game or just because you potentially don't look at or analyse the, the the match that way. But there's a lot that he did off the ball you know, certain runs that he would make. He wouldn't stop you know, creating space for others as well. So I think it's a shame that he's gone on a permanent. I think it's the only thing that you know, I know a lot of people, I was probably one of them that wanted him out of the club at one point, but, you know, he's still got a lot of development in in him. And I think, you know, it'd be a shame, again, to see him do a Mo Salah and become one of the world's best in a, in a couple of years. So... Um, another player that's gone is melang on loan, I think, to Monaco with an option or I think it's a mandatory fee of 10 million. Mm-hmm. I think I read. Um, good bit of business or bad bit of business?
1: I um, mean, listen, last season I thought he was a decent squad player. He filled in when he had to fill in and off- more often than not he was scapegoated when things didn't go so well, maybe because he didn't arrive with that ex- big price tag and he wasn't maybe that flashy player that... A lot of other people wanted to to like but um possibly a good bit of business especially now that we've got Koulibaly we've got Cucurella, we've got Levi Colwell who was just alone who will come back next season yeah, yeah. so um yeah I'm um, obviously there's a chance for him to do really well at Monaco and they make it permanent and then we again we end up with that Tamori um Salah Lukaku the Bruyne situation yeah. but I've got a feeling it might not go down that way and um it could be some kind of clause that we're not aware of. He has to play a certain amount of games for them to make it permanent, which is often the case. I think Monaco did the same with Al Sharari when he went there on yeah. loan and they never actually ended up buying him because they just let it, let him sit on the bench and not play. So, um, but I know I do, I do wish him the best and I think they might have just miss out on Champions League Monaco. So maybe they're in the Europa League. So he'll get a good bit of European football as well. a fair shout. It's a fair
0: shout. Let's talk about some in because we're still linked heavily with Wesley Fofana. Um, mm-hmm. Potentially going to be the world's most expensive central defender or so I read the other week. So um, talk to me about Wesley Fofana because I'm sort of, I was a bit on the fence initially um, when we were linked with him probably before the sanctions. And now that we've missed out on Deleys, which I thought was probably our first primary target alongside um, Koulibaly, which we've got. But he has got Premier League experience but for what is going to be in the region of 85 to 90 million, which is what Leicester, I think, are holding out for, would you welcome him to the club now that Milan saw' has gone for 90
1: million pounds? Mm. I mean, like you keep saying, it's... It's these clubs know that we're desperate for players and centre backs, so they can afford to ask for that price. Unless there are a selling club, they sold Mares for big money, they yeah. sold Maguire for 80 million. They're drink looking water. to off <laughs> drink water as well. I forgot about him. Uh Tillemans is another one they're trying to offload, I think, with a year left on his contract. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get the eighty-five or ninety million. Um obviously you don't want to be that player that has that kind of label of being the most expensive centre back in the world because with that comes the pressure of performing and we I saw Mag- I exactly we saw the harry Maguire that often it doesn't work out and that pressure gets to your head. but um i do think he's a good player i think he's only had one full season in the premier league because i think last year or the year before he suffered a really bad injury that kept him out for a very long period so that being said it's a lot of money for a player that's had one good season and the same can be said about kukara he was only with brighton for one year and 63 million well, you look at Timo Werner who was the Bundesliga's one of the Bundesliga's top goal scorers and we got him i think for 45 was it yeah yeah so it's crazy kind of premier league labels of when, when a player played well in the premier league clubs can just ask for ridiculous sums of money so but then again we, we're we desperate we need that we need a player we need a player that can replace Aspi in the next one or two years replace we'll silver probably next summer Koulibaly as well as 31 he's probably got maybe three four years left in him at, at the highest level so yeah, from that perspective, the move doesn't make sense to go for a young, um, talented, Premier League experienced player.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, couple more. So we've got uh, Frankie De Jong, which is another player that I'm, I'm getting a bit sick of this one though, because it feels mm. very much like Dembele, Jules Kounde. Um, it feels a, it's, a, it's. I'm filing it along those kind of transfers at the moment because we're we're kind of not getting anywhere with it. Barca want him to go. He doesn't want to go. Um, I, I think just before we came on and I said that, I think Barcelona have sold more TV rights, so they've freed up a bit more money. That's potentially because I think they want Bernardo Silva from Man City as well. But what's your thoughts on Dion? Because I, I mean, I don't personally think we need him. I don't think he's a player that screams out, we need a Frankie Dion. We don't really need him. We've got midfielders already. Um, I know some people have said to me, he can play CDM, which is brilliant. But what's your thoughts, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it seems like a really inconvenient
1: purchase. I mean, we both agreed on it in the last episode that it felt like it was the situation with Barcelona and the opportunity this window to, to really, that Barcelona want to sell him, That was that's pushing us to sign him. But realistically, we've got another year left of Jorginho and Kante. We've got Gilmore, who's still at the club. I don't know if we're looking to loan him out again or even if he's been given a squad number, but he's still there. We've got Chuku Weka, I think I pronounced that right. Okay. uh, (laughs) and he seems (laughs) to be (laughs) Carney, Carney we've got Carney and um, he seems to be in two course plans he's been given a squad number he's been training with the first team so I think we're kind of covered this season for Bampardieu as well yeah we're we're covered when it comes to CDM and centre mid options Mm. but if we do get him just purely because on the fact that Jorginho and County have one more year, maybe this is the window to get him where we can actually afford, afford him. Barcelona will be willing to negotiate a decent fee with us. Um, you never know, maybe we'll end up re-signing Christensen on a free on Saturday as well because I'm reading and it's not going to happen, but he's going to be a free agent by the looks of it if um, they can't yeah. afford to register him and Kessie. But it's still definitely a business to, still to be done with Barcelona, whether it's him or Yang.
0: Well, yeah, I mean... It, I, to tie it all in all together mm-hmm. I mean we obviously know Marcus Alonso is, is dying to go to Fraudalona I don't know why <laughs> um, you know, he's dying to get there I think Tosuko said today that he's definitely not going to be in the squad for Sunday he's still trying to work out the, the the final parts of how they're going to pay for him to basically play or how they're going to register him but um, to link that all together because obviously we've just been talking about Frankie De Jong Pat- Patrick Aubameyang as well could he be part of that deal to potentially get Marcus Alonso you know, over the line, I think it, from what I read, I'm sure it's 10 million from Marcus Alonso, but maybe if we add in maybe a Patrick Aubameyang for that as well, um, I don't know how it would work, but in terms of Patrick Aubameyang, Thomas Tuchel, clearly from his press conference today, is still a massive fan. He, he came out, he said he doesn't care about what happens off the pitch of he doesn't care what happens with Mikel Arteta, he doesn't care about the sort of, you know, the other side, that Aubameyang, the gold Lamborghini side of Patrick <laughs> he's not bothered about that, he just, Cares what he does on the pitch, and you know he's never had an issue with him. So I'm I'm leaning towards the side of I think we're going to get Patrick Bamie. young. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, Tuchel clearly rates him. He rated Dembele from their, both those players when they were at Dortmund, and I think he's always praised them even since he left Dortmund, saying how fantastic, tra- how well they they train, how how talented they are. It does look like Tuchel knows something that we don't know, and and. With the Alonso and uh, the Yang deal, it looks like Alonso wants to go to Barcelona and it looks like Yang wants to leave because he wants to be first choice. And now that Lewandowski's there. Abamayang will be out of the spotlight. he would probably play the odd kind of cup game or come on, come off the bench, but I can't see the two of them playing together. So it kind of seems like there's something to be agreed between those two players. I think we never know what's going to happen with fraud like you called them, um, and how they get this money because if they want silver from City, that's going to be a lot of money. 70 million uh, euros. Seventy apparently. million. Just, it doesn't really add up i think it's because they put these big release clauses on these players so in the in the in the balance sheet it looks like they've got a a really a really expensive asset that belongs to them but um that's what they did they they, mm-hmm. they
0: basically cooked their own books and, and basically gave themselves an additional 150 million euros that didn't exist yeah. um and then belly's contract apparently is that messed up that i think he I, I didn't read the article this morning that someone sent me, but I think basically he gets paid 50 million euros out of the, the deal. So mm. it's just a mess. I mean, I, I don't understand why
1: players are not there, to be honest. I don't don't get it. But um, there'll be a Netflix show in a few years' time and how they kind of work this all out and a documentary and the investigation into the club or something like that. I'm looking forward to it as well. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. But um, keeping it sort of in La Liga.
0: I don't know if you got to see that Real Madrid won the Super Cup. Which mm. Actually, was good news for us because Eden Hazard has given us <laughs> twenty million pounds for winning the Super Cup. I don't know if he was aware of that, but part of his contract was I think if he, I think we got money when he when they won the Champions League, mm. but we got an additional twenty million because they won the Super Cup as well. So it's a bit more wow. money for Todd to to try and throw at Leicester for <laughs> Farno or maybe to lure uh, Patrick Aubameyang back to England, but we, who knows, who knows? Um Leo, been a pleasure as always.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As always. Um, I know you're about to get out into the, the sun. Enjoy the 30 probably 35 degree heat by now um in the sun. So enjoy. Um, big game on Sunday before we wrap up, give us a prediction. I don't think we did that. I'm gonna
1: go away with one one.
0: I'm gonna I'm not gonna do many draws this this, uh, this season so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two on Chelsea I think we'll. I think they'll score. I think, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. they'll score. But um, and uh, again, it depends how we play. But like if we play with the four at the back, I think we can keep. I'd assume they might go for free, front free, um, and if they do, then I think we we need to play back, keep them quiet. But I think we'll score. I think Sterling's going to score because he looked very lively, and I'm going to go for Kulabali.
1: Yeah,
0: Bulletheader. So Mm. Reese James is not going to be on the corner. It's going no. to be on some Out. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. Guys, if you're listening, watching, I can see a few of you watching as well. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Give us a like as well. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Who would you start against Spurs on Sunday? What's the score going to be? Let us know. And also as well, see from the Shed End and from the Shed End, in the other corner. That's our Instagram and Twitter at the bottom. So make sure you go and follow those as well. Theo, go and enjoy the sunshine. you or whatever you're drinking or whatever you're doing but until next time stay safe everyone and let's hope for three points on sunday thanks for watching